Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the very spry Robert Demena. Ooh, did you use that one yet? I don't believe I have. I, you know, I, I was thinking the other day. I feel like I'm running out. Um, I don't There's know so many words in the English language. <laughs> there are, but only we... so many can describe you. <laughs> I don't know if that was an, a compliment or an insult. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. All right, so this is a continuation of what we started last week, where we are Month. going to bring you last month yes uh where we are going to bring you about a 20 minute 20 25 minute um podcast on the current news uh travel and adventure related so we'll bring you a few articles um that we read that we found very interesting and then we're going to just dive into uh who we have on the the podcast for the remainder of the month just kind of give you insight on what to expect as we release those every monday um I think that's it. Anything else, Elliot, for the intro? Or do you want to just get into our news articles? No. So our the docket for today consists of a few tourism articles on under-tourism, slow travel, that kind of thing. And then we talk about a little bit of Hong Kong, the Amazon, and some other cool and interesting things that happened in August. So why don't we get right into the first one on the new airline going from, or the new flight from Philly to Morocco. How awesome is yeah, that? I was really happy f- for this. So Elliot and I both are out of Philadelphia. I think a lot of our listeners right now are out of the Philadelphia area. So this article came from, uh, is it Condé Nast Traveler? Uh, written by Jessica Phuket on August 8th. So the world's largest airline, American Airlines, is now going to have direct flights from Philadelphia to Casablanca, Morocco. It is the first ever flight out of Philadelphia straight to Africa. Um, and, I, and they're starting that's that a one big too. deal it is it is it's re- that that means something i i mean this is going to tie into articles later on in, in in this episode but but such a boom in middle class tourism and and yeah pe- places are scrambling to to bring in some of the population yeah um but this starts on june 4th 2020 and they're gonna have three flights per week and not only will this give you the opportunity to easily get to Casablanca from the East Coast now, but now it's a great jumping off point to see the rest of Africa as well. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm excited. I'm I'm hoping that next, maybe not next year, but in the near future, maybe you and I will be heading there. Yeah. I, you know I want to see that blue city very badly, right? We've talked oh, yeah. About that <laughs> uh, what is that? Shaf- Shofatan? Something like that. I yeah. probably mangled that yeah i think you did all right so our next group of articles are actually all about tourism slow travel uh under tourism and kind of beating the crowds or traveling a little differently so this first one is called tourists are taking things slow with the slow travel trend which is actually by slow food international and written by benedetta ghetto on august 9th So slow travel is a relatively new expression that is trending, and there's a lot of tour operators offering packages that include just like long walks, biking, trains, sailing, boating, just stuff that makes you go through the landscape and not bypass it, whereas a flight, you just kind of go right over it. You get some cool views, but you're just not seeing any of it. So I think it's a interesting concept that i don't know if bob you necessarily are on board with no i'm not 
Um, you know, it's not that I'm not on board with it. I, I understand it, and I think it's awesome. And I think if you're the type of traveler who has the time to, to travel like this, to just go to one destination and and spend your entire uh, um, you know amount of time off there, then go for it. Um, I'm not, I don't have, I have three weeks every year to take off, and so I try to pick a country and jam-pack as much as I can. Um but I like it a lot, and I see the appeal. And I think if you're maybe a younger traveler or an older traveler who isn't dead smack in the middle of their career, yeah. um, it could be it could be pretty great. So I, I hope to see it um, grow too, because I think it's incredibly more sustainable, um, which is going to tie us, which is going to bring us into our next article, right? Yeah. So, well, and I really like the idea of slow travel because I, for me, I would want to. I, I like experiencing a place and being really intimate with it understanding it and to kind of going through it as they say slowly um i for me i would rather have quality over quantity i know a there's a lot of places in the world to see and i don't think i'm going to see them all so like having a few really close friends i think for me is more important than having a ton of friends that i don't know that well well that's how i see travel but yeah, so so the way I'm looking at it, let's use Italy as an example. So if you have one opportunity to go to Italy in your entire life, would you just go to Rome and spend your entire time in that city? Or would you prefer to see Venice and see Florence and go to the Amalfi Coast and, and you know, go to Pompeii and try to jam <clears throat> multiple cities into one trip? I would probably just do one. Interesting. Well, that's where we differ. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> this, right. this next one is from the New York Times. I am not sure how to pronounce this person's name. L.A. Glusak. Uh, this is actually uh, two days ago. And it's called Cooler, Further, and Less Crowded, The Rise of Undertourism. Yeah, so this, this article is essentially trying to help or promote tour companies um, to focus on the less crowded uh, areas of their destination. So for example, uh, Glenwood Springs in Colorado is trying to promote more off the beaten path hikes to disperse its 82 million travelers. Machu Picchu already does something exactly like this where they have a ticketed and time slotted system to uh, spread out the amount of people visiting the, the, the site at one time. So the purpose of this is actually, it's hopefully to preserve some of these historic or natural areas indefinitely as, as tourism is booming, like we mentioned with the middle class visiting places like we've never seen before um places are just getting overran they can't handle it and a lot of these especially in europe where cities are tiny walkways are narrow and the buildings are very very old the the amount of people it's just not working and uh, i know my favorite city dubrovnik is already making plans to change um how it does tourism i think they're going to start charging people when i was there i was told that fifty thousand people visit a day during peak season and it is a tiny, walled-in city. There's not a lot of room to walk around. We thankfully went in towards the end of September, so we went on the tail season. So we actually, I guess, are part of these this under-tourism movement. Um, I highly recommend doing that. But yeah, I, I, I really like this idea. I think that there are good things to see in a lot of these destinations during slower times of the year. Yeah, and I think it's much more sustainable for the actual destinations because... As the next article points out, most of the places we travel that we visit and that tourists go to are places that people live, like Rome, like Venice. People actually live there. They're not just all tourists, as it may seem that way. So 
This next article is from the New York Post, Eric Spitznagel on the 24th, but he talks about how selfie culture has kind of doomed the world, the world's most precious tourist sites like Machu Picchu even, like the Spanish steps in Rome. And the a lot of this is due to the fact that millennials want experiences. And, you know, I'm guilty of that as well, because I would rather much, I would rather have memories than things. And I really like to travel. And since the cost of airline tickets has decreased by like 50% since 1976, it makes it a lot easier to go places. Yeah, I'm so I'm a little guilty of this. You know, when I went to Machu Picchu, I, I obviously did not travel for a selfie. I don't really care that much. But I did see um, a million people take selfies with alpacas with like Machu Picchu in the background. And, and it made me want to go for it. And so I did. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are now just visiting sites for the instapic and to scratch it off a list and nothing else they're not understanding the place the history the culture they're just going right through it and to some that's all they need to feel fulfilled but i don't think that's really what travel's about if you want to do that stuff i mean you can use a green screen and get the same experience right yeah i don't it's hard for me to relate to that type of traveler so i'd rather not um all right so the next the next article we have is on Sri Lanka. So as probably everybody knows, Sri Lanka was hit by a terror attack last Easter. Uh, There was a few bombs that went off. Um, So now Sri Lanka is still trying to recover, and they're doing it by offering free tourist visas on arrival. They're reducing airline charges to encourage airline carriers to uh, reinstate flights, and they're actually asking online travel agencies like Expedia to cut commissions. And that's that's a big thing to ask. But they're doing what they can. It seems I, I really want to see this place recover. I've had Sri Lanka eyed up for a very long time. They have beautiful elephant conservation parks where you can just go and naturally watch these elephants roam. It's such a cool little country. And, you know, I, I still want to go one day. It's hard, you know, to decide... Uh, to make the decision to go to a country with known terror attacks. But at the same time... We live we in a country at, with known terrorist attacks. We, we do. We, they happen in, in your Walmarts, in your movie theaters in the United States. Um, you go to London, they have them there. So what country is safe from terror attacks? And should that deter you from traveling to that country? I don't know. It's a whole other discussion, I guess. Yeah. And that's something that probably isn't easily answered. Right. But this may be an opportunity to visit Sri Lanka at a bit of a cheaper rate. And, you know, as we just discussed, it is under tourism. This is a big window. It may not be even the peak season or the off season, but there's definitely less tourists visiting the country right now. So you have more of it to yourself with less of a crowd. Right. And it will it will recover. This place is going to the, the people are the people forget. And people are going to go back, and it will go back to normal there. It will, yeah. So that was the kind of the end of our tourist segment. And now we just have some cool stories. So this woman uh, actually recreated the journey from 90 years ago. And it was this French female explorer. And this actually comes to us from the Condé Nast Travel by Florence Derrick on August 8th. So this woman, Elise Wortley, in 2017 started a journey that she kind of dreamed of since she was 16 after reading a book on, it's called My Journey to Lhasa by Alexander David Neal. 
And that was published in 1927. So yeah, she started it 90 years after it was published. And this 14-year-old, sorry, this 14-year expedition that a French female explorer did to Tibet kind of inspired this idea of going and using all of the equipment from the early 1900s. And she's a Londoner and Tibet does not allow foreigners in. So like dressing as a beggar, trying to sneak into the country. It's just a really interesting article. And this girl just tries to recreate what happened a hundred years ago. So she she traded in all of her modern day comforts, um, minus her emergency medical supplies. And she ended up trading that stuff in. She got a a yak, uh, a wool coat, rubber-soled boots, and a wooden backpack. I need to see that backpack. Uh, a wooden backpack just think about that (laughs) it says that she fashioned it from an old chair some rope and an indian wicker basket that she bought from a market in Gangtok. so yeah it's and then all right here so i have a quote from her so she says i went whole hog i had 1920s underwear which consisted of a cotton bra and high-waisted pants and a woolen undergarment that was so itchy she says, uh, the ropes on my backpack rubbed a lot. I had scabs on my shoulders, but I had to know how it felt to do it that way. The journey of female explorers were way more hardcore than for their male counterparts. It was much more dangerous for them, and they had to deal with the physical elements, but also their periods, and even having to hide the fact that they were women. So this is awesome. Yeah, good for her. And she, so I think her, she has another one planned for the future, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. so it says yeah that she's preparing her second trip in the footsteps of Scottish explorer Nan Shepherd, who scaled the six highest peaks in the Cairngorm Cairngorm Mountains Cairngorm Mountains and cataloged it in her book The Living Mountain, written in the nineteen forties. So, uh, so pretty badass woman, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really up next. Cool. Yep. Uh, oh, and this one actually ties into the under tourism thing, so we didn't get through all of them, but Venice. According to The Telegraph by Emma Featherstone on August 8th, has now banned large cruise ships from docking at the historic city center, which is overdue, to be honest. It should, large cruise ships should really never have been able to go to Venice. It's it's so overdue. Now, I don't want to talk bad on cruise ships for anybody who really enjoys them, but it's already too crowded with people who can flock there from the airports to then just shuffle people in by the boatload, literally, just on a, on a, in a, in a single file line in and out all day long. It's just overwhelming. Venice is so small. It's a little tiny island with buildings that are so old that we want to see preserved. Same with Dubrovnik. Um... I'm really happy about this. Yeah. I mean, some of those cruise ships have enough passengers to constitute like a tenth of the population of living Venice. Right. Yeah. It's it's long overdue. Um, and I hope to see it through these types of cities throughout Europe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I've got some, this one is a short one, but it's kind of interesting and it happens every once in a while. So this guy, uh, according to... People Magazine. Is it People Magazine or is it People whatever? Just People Online. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Dave Quinn talked about this. And this guy had an entire plane from Lithuania to Italy by himself. It was supposed to be just for moving crew back and forth. And he bought a one-way ticket and he was the only one to buy it. So he just happened to have 187 other seats to himself. 
Yep. That's the dream right there. That's the dream. That is the dream. Personal right. personal chartered flight. Yeah. Yeah. I've had ones where it was pretty empty. Maybe there was 10 people on my flight, but they're always very short flights. I've never had like a cross-country flight where only 10 people are on the plane. It's always like, you know, two hours, like Philadelphia to Raleigh for a layover or something. And yeah. it ends up being a small Like small the commuter flight. flights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right, Hong Kong. Lots going on in Hong Kong right now. There are growing protests um, in the city. They've expanded to the airports earlier this month. They actually closed down Hong Kong Airport, one of the busiest airports in the entire world. They, as most of you probably already know, these are pro-democracy protests. Um, I think it started where China wanted to impose a law that allowed extradition Back to, to mainland back China. For criminals back to mainland China. And there's been worry ever since Britain gave Hong Kong back to China that China would start to uh, take it back over. And it seems like it could be happening. I don't know. I don't want to get into the politics of it. but yeah, it's, um, it's really complicated. But I think the the main thing we wanted to focus on is that there are still millions of protesters in Hong Kong. It They've already canceled flights due to protests uh, for, what, an entire day, maybe 36 hours. And their protests are still going on. Protesters have defied the march ban. And this actually comes to us from two different sources, Bloomberg and BBC. Um, But if you're interested in going to Hong Kong now, probably isn't the best time to do that. And I would highly recommend. I would not recommend it right now. Yeah. Yes. Even, even going to China right now is probably a little if he just because everyone's so hot on this Hong Kong issue and just pay attention to it. If you really want to go be safe. Yeah. It, it's a good rule of thumb to avoid protests in any country you visit. Just, you should never try to get involved or be a part of, or be near uh, political protests of any kind. It's, I don't know. It's, you're just asking for uh, issues to arise. Um, and just remember your personal safety should always be first when traveling around. Yes. So another news article that's more about being able to travel our beautiful country and beautiful world. So according to um, the and this NPR segment the by Rebecca Hersher in earlier this August on the eighth, uh, there was a big article on agriculture and how agriculture is kind of changing and contributing to climate change and. Not only that, but are we able to sustain the growth of agriculture to feed the growing population? And does that contribute to climate change? And will climate change ultimately damage our crops so much that we won't have enough? So it's it's a catch-22. You have to grow them, but you can't grow them. The saving grace, and a lot of people don't want to hear it right now, but it's going to be lab-grown meat, 100%. They, they're already doing it. They already have. They can take the cells from chickens and create lab-grown poultry. And you can't taste the difference. It is identical to the livestock. And it's going to be what saves us um, from these agricultural issues. Uh, it's going to be awesome ethically, you know, less horribly treated animals. Yeah, I'm but sure vegans are... and vegetarians are going to may start eating it. 
Well, yeah, maybe. If if their reason for not eating meat is due to the treatment of animals, then they could, right? Yeah. And it's it's just the so you know, you can now grow chicken breast in a lab. And for some reason that that sounds disgusting. It's kind of a turnoff, but um I'm all for it. I'm ready. Give yeah, me a nice I'd, I would have to try steak. It. I'm not yeah. I'm not entirely convinced yet, but I would have to see it. Yeah. I'd have to see it. It's going to happen. All right. Uh, Where Libraries Are the Tourist Attractions by Allison Kruger on uh, August 10th from the New York Times. So about a decade ago, libraries across the world faced this dilemma. They're, they essentially, people stopped visiting them. Um, their vital functions to supply books and access information for the public was being replaced by Amazon, ebooks, public Wi-Fi. People just didn't really the, have to the go. the internet. Yeah, and the internet, yeah. And... So now they're trying to fight back, and they're adding quirky amenities like rooftop gardens, public parks, verandas, play spaces, teen centers, movie theaters, gaming rooms, art galleries, and actually even restaurants. So they're not going away, um, and they're actually going to shift what it means to even be a library. Yeah, I think this is awesome. And I never even thought about this. Some Any library you visit in most cities are free and now that libraries are trying to kind of change their perception and how people think of them they're creating these unbelievably gorgeous architectural masterpieces that are in finland norway denmark amsterdam and they're really impressive buildings that are spectacles to see and they themselves are becoming tourist destinations a you can go in there for free B, they usually have free Wi-Fi. C, they're usually awesome to look at. D, they've got all of these cool amenities now that are usually free to use. I mean, you might, if you're a visitor from an outside country, you might have to pay a little bit of money, a small entrance fee. But regardless, they're really, really cool. Yeah, and and one of the one of the libraries like this that has popped up in the United States is the Central Library of Austin, Texas. So if you're in that area, maybe check that out. All right, this next one is old, but I think it's still appropriate uh, since I discovered it this month. (laughs) (laughs) But these are just nine companies that the millennial grouping should probably have on your radar. Uh, Nina Khan wrote about this in February, and she is from Bustle. And this highlights nine of these travel companies, but it is not ranked and it is not comprehensive. So... Millennials are, you know, more inclined to take adventure-based trips like cruises or going to the rainforest in Costa Rica or going to Machu Picchu and hiking the Inca Trail than, you know, just taking regular beach vacations. So one of these big ones is Contiki, which, Bob, you've used, right? Loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. I've met some incredible people who I still have been in contact with today. We've had multiple uh, people who I've met in Thailand through Kentucky on the podcast. I thought it was such a cool experience. I mean, my only regret is not starting um, it earlier, really. Yeah, and that's geared towards 18 to 35-year-olds, but I think they have some flexibility on the upper limit. So the next one is for the love of travel, which kind of ties into the slow travel trend that we talked about earlier and it's for 25 to 39 year olds and it really embraces the idea of slow travel travel and authentic cultural experiences i had never heard of that one no neither have i the next one is under 30 experiences they're for solo travelers under 30 uh, that's yeah. <laughs> that's big, biggest that's their biggest draw um 
I, I know a lot of people have issues with assembling a good group of friends to travel with and sometimes you wait and you wait and you wait and your friends never agree to do it or don't want to cough off the money and you end up not going. So there are so many companies out there that, that are there for you specifically, the type of person who cannot assemble friends to go but still really wants to see the world. So just jump on with these um, these travel groups. You'll meet really awesome people, like-minded people, and you'll get to see the world and you'll make friendships that will, will then last forever. And who knows, then you might have people that will actually travel with you from this right. point forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a few more. Uh, there's Trevendly. Uh, they try to put together groups of people with like-minded individuals. There you go. Uh, G Adventure is a fast-paced and affordable travel group for young travelers and then intrepid which i found pretty interesting this one is for the younger side of the millennial grouping and they're very strict with their age group so they only accept people from 18 to 29 years old and they focus on local adventures and sustainably minded uh trips uh, trips yeah yeah so very cool very very cool all right uh our last two articles are kind of interesting one of them we're going to talk about is August has been a very eventful month for the Amazon rainforest. And this is an article from the New York times on August 24th, August 21st by Manuela Andrioni and Christine Hauser. So there's been a lot of social media posts and Instagram posts, whatever you about the Amazon fire. And they were kind of delayed. I mean, the, the fire has been going on pretty much all month and there's been thousands of fires just this year but in august there were 26,000 fires in the amazon rainforest this year total there's 39,000 so that's 66% just in august for this year and that's the total is nearly an 80% increase over last year now most fires in the amazon are not natural most of them are set by humans in some way or another just for prescribed burns for farmland next to the rainforest or intentionally burning some of the logged forest and it just happens to spread which it really sucks because the amazon is kind of the lungs of the globe and it produces a lot of oxygen for us but just to give you a comparison uh this year there's been 7200 square miles of amazon rainforest burned last year the u.s had its seventh largest wildfire on record which was the car fire in california that fire was only 360 square miles just just for you know a comparison it's about 20 times the size of that yeah yeah, yeah this has gotten a lot a lot of attention over the last month but um, yeah and some I of the posts was... some of the posts that uh celebrities have shared on their own instagram pages are photos from 2016 fires in the amazon or photos from a fire in a different country or even some have shared a photo of an elephant with fire in the background saying it's the Amazon and there are no elephants in the Amazon. No. Yeah. So, I mean, I think do your research and understand what's actually going on. It's very easy to act, to, to figure out um, what's real and what isn't, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we see that subside and the regrowth will be there, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, So this, this last article we have today is from, um, CNN. And so this New Zealand teen with measles may have exposed hundreds of Disneyland, hundreds of people at Disneyland and other tourist destinations throughout Southern California. So she was traveling through 
and she was contagious with measles. Um, so the according to Disney, it wasn't a huge deal. They said that we were notified that the tourists visited multiple Southern Californian locations and have been advised by the Orange County Healthcare Agency that the risk to cast and guests is likely low. Um, yeah, but the thing with measles, I mean, I think she contracted it while she was traveling beyond New Zealand. Obviously, she was unvaccinated, and measles is extremely contagious in that the actual uh, virus stays in the air for two hours. So not only did she go to Disneyland, she had two flights into California and out of California, like LAX, with measles. So that two to three hour window that she was in the airport could have also exposed hundreds of other people. It's ridiculous that this is what we have to talk about in 2019. Vaccinate your damn kids, people. <laughs> there's, your P- <laughs> there's your PSA right at the end. <laughs> Vaccinate your kids. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of our episode. Uh, we'll just get into the three guests that we have this month are Christine, who is an ER physician from Hawaii who traveled to the Alps and the Dolomites, which are part of the Alps in northern Italy. Andrew is the founder of Costa Costa, and he focuses on Spanish-geared tourism in South America and the Caribbean. And lastly, uh, Sam and Daniela. I know we mentioned them that they were going to be in the July, but since things moved around, they're now going to be in September, and they're kind of uncovering the mysteries of Italian archaeological sites. All right, everyone. So if you liked what you heard today, uh, please give us a rating on iTunes. But if you loved what you heard today, you should definitely follow or subscribe us. We are really liking this new format and plan on giving about 20 to 25 minute news episodes the first of every month. This is actually really fun. Um, So we're actually also exploring the idea of maybe doing like a 15 to 20 minute history podcast on various travel or adventure related events. So if you like that idea let us know in the comments on our ig posts or shoot us an email with some of your favorite travel events you'd like to hear more about ellie and i would be happy to research them we love to learn especially about travel and adventure so absolutely bob yeah uh so thank you for listening hope you enjoy the podcast that we have for the remainder of the month and we will be back in september nope october yes right (laughs) for uh the next news podcast so Thank you for listening again and uh, have a good, good September.